We also have with us Barbara Pollack, independent curator and critic who writes regularly about contemporary art and Chinese art in such publications as the New York Times, Art News, Art and Auction, and Art in America. Her expertise, cultural leaders, art, global art movements, and emerging centers particularly in China. So we have a packed evening for everyone. We're going to start off with Barbara. Barbara, are you on the line? Yes. Thank you so much for agreeing to join us this evening. How are you? I'm fine. I'm excellent. Great. And the reason we invited Barbara is because starting next week, we're going to have in New York City the 12th edition of Asia Contemporary Art Week, a very ambitious uh, calendar packed with exhibitions, pop-up installations, artist talks, other types of receptions to focus on contemporary art in China. And that is something a lot of us are not very um, knowledgeable about. And Barbara is indeed an expert. So, Barbara, let's start off with your um, experience, because you have a very extensive background with the New York Times, Art News, Art and Auction, about um, contemporary art in China. So why don't you tell us, how did that all begin for you? It began for me because in the 1990s, a lot of the leading artists from China were living here in New York because they had left China after the Tiananmen Square Massacre. Ah. And... Um, so I met many of them and interviewed them in the late 1990s, and I love their stories. I mean, if you're interested in political art, these are artists who lived through such history and such political upheavals, mm-hmm. so it was fascinating to meet them. And then in 2004, a good friend of mine, Meg Maggio, who is a dealer in Beijing, mm-hmm. yelled at me. She screamed at <laughs> She said, you can't write about Chinese artists by staying in New York. You have to come to China. Okay. So um, she helped me go on my first trip to China, which was in 2004. And immediately, as soon as I went there, I saw that this was going to be a major art scene. Mm -hmm. At the time, there were only a few galleries and only a handful of museums showing contemporary art. But I could see they were on the verge of exploding. Okay. And that's exactly what happened over the course of the next 10 years. Wow. I mean, I've, I'm not as savvy about contemporary Chinese art. But from some of the artists' uh, work that I have seen in various galleries, particularly in Chelsea, I'm seeing something very different. Um, and a lot of women. There are a lot of women. One in particular that we both seem to like is Lin Tian Miao. Is that how you yes, pronounce it? Now. Yeah, she's very good. I, I think she's very provocative. She's probably um, the leading woman artist in China. Certainly, she came up with the generation of artists from the 1990s, okay. and there weren't many women at all. I mean, mm-hmm. there would be like one woman artist to every 20 men artists wow. in that generation. Um, and the installation she has now in Chelsea at mm-hmm. Gallery Lulong mm-hmm. is fascinating. She's taken um, dozens of vintage carpets and embroidered them with um, in thick wool pile with words for woman in various languages from around the world. So, wow. you know, I was just looking at it today. So there's everything from Mother China to... Um, 
you know, two, I, I can't even remember right now. There's so many of them. There's the, she had collected 2,000 words for women from the Internet. Okay. A, a lot of uh, slang words or derogatory terms, but also mm-hmm. things like goddess or um, Mother Earth and embroidered it into these carpets. And in the gallery, you can walk across the carpet. And um, what I like about it, because it's very tactile, you actually get to walk. on right. the it is insta- very Yeah, on the installation. What I find very compelling uh, is that the fact there aren't that many uh, noted Chinese women artists, and she's had to really... Um, push through in order to make a name for herself. We are very familiar with Ai Weiwei, who's also opening up uh, for uh, a public art installation that will commemorate the 40th anniversary for the Public Art Fund. And uh, he's well known, but you don't hear too much about the women. And I'm wondering what challenges do they face as they try to get their voices heard? Oh, I would say that the situation for women artists in China, is it's changing with young artists, but for most women artists in China, the challenges are like what women artists here in the United States faced in the 1970s. I mean, in school, the professors believe that the men are going to have careers. They don't believe it's so important for women to have careers. There's a lot of discrimination in the galleries, and nobody even sees this as discrimination. Mm. They just see it as, um, um, you know, that you're to blame if you don't have a career. So people just internalize it and take it personally. Wow, that is something else. And so she's been uh, persevering because she's been around for quite some time. She has. She's been around for 20, 30 years. Right. Who are some of the other artists that we should be paying attention to? Uh, to during this um, month-long, it's practically a month-long celebration of contemporary Asian um, art? Well, one thing, a a quick way to find out about a lot of great Chinese artists is that the Guggenheim is opening a show called Theater of the World, Mm -hmm. China, from 1989 to 2008. That will open on Thursday, October 5th. Yes. And that has... Um, 70 artists from China in it, starting with um, the late 1980s. Yes, I'm looking forward to that exhibition as well. I'm going to be taking a group of people next week to see that. I was very impressed, and I know that they also had to deal with the controversy of the video um, where animal rights um, activists were believing that they were harming animals in some way. And I mean, the actual story is that those, no animals were harmed making that video. But mm-hmm. I, I understand that it um, affected people's sensibilities. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the work that got made in China in the 1990s is supposed to offend people. It's supposed to shake people up. Because you have to understand these artists are living in a very repressive government. Mm-hmm. Um, they had very few venues to show their work. Most of them were showing their work in each other's apartments because there were no galleries ah, in China in the 1990s. That's where and the term apartment art came that's about? That's where the term apartment art came from. Mm-hmm. And they did not, they were all working underground. Mm-hmm. You did not have um, the ability to show in a museum in China. You had to be an official artist to show in a museum. Mm-hmm. And so they were trying to make art that would shake people up. 
And a lot of that art is genuine, genuinely disturbing. Okay. It's not, um, it's not meant to be pretty. It's not meant to be pretty, and it, but it does communicate something about how difficult life in China can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I saw that because there was the controversy last year when Creative Time um, had an artist who was using pigeons. And um, I received numbers of calls. The New York Times did. I remember Untapped City, a reporter I knew. We all went checking to see if the birds were actually being harmed. In fact, the artists owned, um, I would say, 70% of the birds. They were not harmed, but people believed that they were being harmed. But I like what you have done by explaining all of this. It's not to, um, you know, hurt any animals or make a statement about animals, but it's sort of a metaphor talking about what life was like in China at that particular time. And um, people need to calm down so that they can understand all the challenges that many of these artists are going through. Now, these artists that are participating in art in China and Asia Contemporary Art Week, are they still residing in China or do most of them live in Europe or in the United States? Um. Most of them still live in China. Mm-hmm. Ai Weiwei does no, no longer lives in China. No, he's in Berlin. <laughs> he li- he's based in Berlin now yeah. because of all the difficulties he had in China. Right. Um, there are a few leading artists that live either in New York or Paris, like okay. Sai Kuo Chang, who's basically known as the fireworks guy. Okay. He's done many spectacles including the um, opening ceremony of the 2008 Olympics. Mm-hmm. And Wang Yangping lives in Paris. He is um, one of the most um, represented artists in the Guggenheim show. Okay. And, but um, the vast majority still live in China. And there are things that China allows artists to do, even though it's a very repressive country. Okay. But because production is really cheap there. So there's all, you can have a huge studio in China. You can have assistance. You can make monumental works because it's much easier to produce a work of art in China than as an artist in New York City. Wow, that makes a lot of sense for me. I, I mean, I was dealing with Japanese artists, but they, the language is the same. They were talking about assistance and, and it was like this sort of, it felt like uh, uh, an assembly line sort of, you know, uh, viewpoint when it came to the production of their work. So you helped me in that particular area. I deal with a lot of <clears throat> artists. I curate art myself. I showcase a lot of artists and galleries. And so you helped me to understand that sensitivity of the culture. I did not know that. And something that people don't realize is that there's a huge market for art in China. Really? Oh, yes. China has an art market that's as big as the United States art market at this point. And what are they collecting? Some is collecting antiquities and um, from 
previous dynasties, mm-hmm. that type of work, mm-hmm. the kind of work you'd see at China Institute. Yes, yeah. and uh, have you seen that exhibition? No, I haven't, but Woo! it's fantastic. See that the Jade. Treasures of the Han Dynasty. It should be fantastic. See the Jade burial suit. It is amazing. Over 4,000 pieces of Jade. So a, a lot of what Chinese collectors are collecting are things like that. Mm-hmm. But there's also a huge market for contemporary art in China that Chinese people themselves are collecting. That's really impressive because even though in the United States we have a huge contemporary art scene, we're still struggling to get average Americans to collect contemporary art. Well, I can't say the average Chinese person is collecting contemporary art, but China is producing a mm. lot of millionaires. Oh, okay. Okay. So like they have the lot. means and they have the means to therefore buy it. Yes. All right. But still, but you, that's... But you definitely see huge crowds at the Chinese art museums mm-hmm. of all sorts of people, from school groups to grandparents, um, are in the art museum. But like they're still cultivating... people to know is that in Shanghai, there's eight contemporary art museums. Really? Yeah. Wow. I did not know that. That's really... That's a real statement. So China has gone... From the 1990s, when artists had no place to exhibit, to the 2000s, where there are so many art museums that most artists have an ongoing museum career. Wow. That's what I'm still saying, because it's impressive, because still here in this country, our numbers seem to be shrinking when it comes to the most well-known contemporary artists. And we're constantly debating about diversity, the inclusion of women, the inclusion of people of color. And here you're telling me in China, they got more museums probably than they have artists to to fill. There's a definite problem about filling the museums. So many have been built. Wow. And are they only interested in contemporary Chinese art or are they interested in other types of art? At the beginning, they were only interested in Chinese art, but now they're definitely showing international artists in some of the museums. So their taste is evolving, and that's a good thing. That's a very good thing. And so I'm trying to also understand, and I'm sure it, it will be very difficult. You know, there's so much backdrop. But it seems like the Chinese government is trying to allow the world to see them in a different light. They just have differences with certain artists, like with Ai Weiwei, but they do seem willing to try to show a different China. Is that correct? Um, yes. I think, for, for, to a large extent, the Chinese government is supportive of contemporary art. It's a huge industry. Mm-hmm. It's an industry that keeps a lot of wealthy people happy, ah. which is very important to the Chinese government. hmm but um, under the current administration in China, censorship has gotten much worse in the last two years. And so more conflicts are coming up. Are you talking about the Chinese government or the American government? The Chinese government. Oh, okay. All right. So there's more conflicts. Yes. And do you think that's because of all the uh, political you know, chaos that's going on in Europe and in the United States politically? I think that uh, China... Once the Chinese government is very concerned about not opening the door 
to political resistance. Okay. That is their primary purpose. Okay. Is to shut down resistance. Okay. And the current administration, because of things like the Arab Spring and because of political controversies happening in Europe and the United States, are more conservative than even before. Ah. So they, they are being much more repressive mm. about things like the Internet. But with contemporary art, it frankly doesn't reach as many people as the Internet or television or the movies. It reaches a much smaller group of people, so they feel like they can allow people to express themselves somewhat in this realm and, and, and be more strict in other realms. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make a lot of sense. Okay. I mean, they're they're kind of curating uh, what gets um, viewed, what does not get viewed, what is shared, what is not shared. But I want to thank you because this was quite an impressive conversation we had. You gave me and our audience such an insight on contemporary Chinese art. And um, I'm not an expert in that area, but I am open to learning more. And it's not just about China. It's the whole region. So that's also Japanese, Korean art, Southeast Asian art, Himalayan art, as well as art from Afghanistan, because a lot of people don't realize Afghanistan is on the Asian continent. Um, so learning all of this is very helpful because it's a huge huge continent with a number of countries and cultures. And I think it behooves us to have a better understanding and appreciation for the arts. So I it's just a, want to say thank yes, you. Yes, it's a huge part of the world. It's a huge population. Mm-hmm. So it we should pay attention to what's going I agree. on there. I really do agree. So thank you so much, Barbara, for joining us today. And uh, I hope to see you during Asia Contemporary Art Week. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Now we're going to hear from the Hostos team as they reflect on the interview that was just given by Barbara Pollock. We will hear from Adrian, Stephen, and Caesar as they share with us their reflections about their experience with Asian art in general, but also hearing about contemporary Asian art week. So we're going to get started. Hi, my name is Steven, and I'm studying at Hostos Community College as a digital music major. Hearing this interview really made me realize how much America as a culture borrows or uses things from the Asian culture, such as martial arts. It's really hard to see an American action film without a fight scene that includes martial arts in it. For example, actors like Chuck Norris, who even went out of his way to study martial arts, his first his first film was um a fight with Bruce Lee before he even became a known actor himself. I'm Adrian Rivera. I am a Hostos Community College student in the major of digital music. And when listening to this topic, I could find interesting that all these cultures blend together. As I remember back then in my high school years, I remember in my global class, my teacher taught me that there's something called cultural diffusion. What he stated to us was that every region from all around the world would take certain aspects and make them part of their own. For instance, living in a Puerto Rican Hispanic community, 
when I was growing up, it wasn't always you would think it's the ideal, oh, rice and beans, rice and beans, chicken. It's not only that. You have Puerto Rican families that can make Italian food, pasta. You have Puerto Rican families that even do their own version of Chinese rice, which is the American ideal of food, well, ideally. But overall, we take all these aspects and make them into our own. That way we can all cherish everything that's being uh, put in today with other cultures. So even with music, you could throw in a little bit techno with rap. It's not only just rap. Uh, for instance, jazz. You can mix jazz with rap. It's not only just one genre, but it's a whole cultural diffusion of everything mixed in together where we could create new ideas and feel comfortable and even experiment and further in what possibilities are yet to come. Hello, my name is Cesar Perez and I am a Hostos Community College student. Uh, I am also studying digital music and um, listening to this uh, interview with Barbara, uh, it reminded me of uh, growing up how much uh, the Asian culture influenced. Uh, most of the cartoons I used to watch uh, were created in you know Asian culture, most anime uh, like Naruto, Dragon Ball, and these things have been part of uh, my life growing up and uh, it's amazing how we can see how how two cultures can lend to each other uh, also with what Steven said with martial arts uh, Chuck Norris uh, the early hip-hop scene which was born in the Bronx uh, was influenced a lot by what uh, Japanese martial arts uh, Chinese things as we know, uh, the Wu-Tang Clan, their name came, you know, it's a Asian name. They use lots of martial art movie scenes in their music. And uh, it's just part of who we are. We have adapted their culture to us. And it's uh, something that comes with living here. They call New York the capital of the world. Therefore, we have everything in here with us. We are accepting to every culture. And, yeah.